Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with a psalm of judgment as we pick up in Psalm chapter 101, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. This time shall we turn in our Bibles to Psalm 101. Psalm 101 is a psalm of David. And David declares in the first verse, I will sing of mercy and judgment unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. Now, though David says he's going to sing of mercy and of judgment, in his song I find nothing of mercy only of judgment. And um, David was very strong in his desires of God concerning his enemies and concerning the wicked. And David, of course, was interested in mercy concerning himself, but concerning his enemies, he was always concerned with judgment. David, of course, is much like we are. We want mercy. (laughs) Whenever we've done wrong, we want mercy. But whenever someone wrongs us, then we want judgment on them. And that's only human nature, I guess. But David uh, so often is expressing his desires uh, upon his enemies. And uh, though he says, I will sing of mercy and judgment, as we look at the song, David said, I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when will you come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. Now, the word perfect uh, has changed its meaning through the years. And in the scriptural use of the word perfect, it is not referring to something that is without fault but it is referring to something that is complete. So I will walk with a complete heart towards God, my heart completely towards him, rather than my heart being perfect. You know, there's no sin in my heart or no evil or no, nothing bad in my heart. It doesn't mean that. It means that it's a complete heart towards God. I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It will not cleave to me. A forward heart shall depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. Whoso privately slanders his neighbor, I will cut him off. He that has a high look and a proud heart, I will not allow. My eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He that walketh in a perfect way, he shall serve me. He that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house. He that tells lies shall not tarry in my sight. I will early destroy all the wicked of the land that I may cut off all the wicked doers from the city of the Lord. So David doesn't really say much of mercy, but much of judgment in this song. How that he will bring a judgment against the wicked, the slanderer, the proud, and uh, the deceitful. 
In Psalm 102, David begins the psalm with a prayer asking God to hear his prayer. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Hide not thy face from me in the day when I am in trouble. Incline your ear to me in the day when I call. Answer me speedily. How impatient we are with God, and yet how important it is to us that God is patient with us. Yet, it seems that whenever I pray, I want speedy answers from God. I, again, I can identify with David. I want judgment on my enemies, and I want speedy answers when I cry unto the Lord. I don't like to wait on the Lord. I don't like to wait for his answers to come. When I snap my fingers, I want action. You know, I want God to move now in this case, and I don't want to have to wait for God to answer my prayers. I guess, again, is something that is just very natural. And yet, turn the thing around, and when God is desiring something from me, I like him to just be patient with me and give me a chance to work it out, and uh, I'll get there when I have opportunity, you know. And uh, it's something that I want to... God to extend his patience towards me in a very liberal sense. But uh, yet, I want speedy answers to my prayers. For my days are consumed as smoke. My bones are burned as an hearth. My heart is smitten and withered like grass so that I forget to eat my bread. Now, that's pretty bad when you get so smitten that you don't eat anymore. By reason of the voice of my groaning, my bones cleave to my skin. I'm like a pelican of the wilderness. I'm like an owl of the desert. I watch and as a sparrow alone upon the housetop. My enemies reproach me all the day. They that are mad against me are sworn against me. For I have eaten ashes like bread and mingled my drink with tears." Because of your indignation and your wrath, for you have lifted me up and cast me down. My days are like a shadow that declineth. Now, uh, he is referring actually to the sundial, the method by which they kept time in those days, and the, the declining shadow on the sundial, the days about over. My days are like the shadow that declineth. I am withered like grass, but in contrast, thou, O Lord, shall endure forever, and thy remembrance to all generations. I'm about ready to pass off from the scene. I'm withered like grass. My days are like a declining shadow, but God, you go on forever and ever. Thou shalt arise and have mercy upon Zion, for the time to favor her, yea, the set time is come. So he looks forward now prophetically to that time that God is going to work again in Israel, among the people. Before they came into the land, while still in the wilderness, Moses gave to them God's covenant whereby they would inherit the land. The covenant of God's blessings that would rest upon them if they would walk with God and if they would serve the Lord. 
Then God said, I will bless your crops. I will bless your children. I'll bless your families. I'll, and, and all of the blessings that God had promised if they would walk with him. But if you turn, God said, and walk after other gods and bow down and worship them and sacrifice your children unto them, then God said, I will turn against thee and I will bring plagues upon the land. I will bring the enemies in upon the land. And finally, God said, and I will give you over to captivity and you will be scattered throughout all of the earth and you'll become a curse and a byword among the nations of the earth. And so God promised, even before they came into the land, the dispersion that would take place if they turned against God. They would be scattered throughout all the world. We only have to look at their history to see the confirmation of God's word to them. As long as they sought the Lord, God made them to prosper. When they turned from the Lord, the curses that God declared came upon them. Their, their land was smitten with drought and with famine, and the enemies came in, and they were taken captive, and ultimately they were dispersed and scattered through the whole world. But even in Deuteronomy, before they came into the land, God promised that the day would come when he would gather them together again from all of the parts of the earth, wherever they have been scattered, and he would bring them back and establish them in the land once again. Now, this is the thread that runs through the prophecies of the Old Testament. God's faithfulness to his covenant to Abraham that the land would belong to him and to his seed. And it is wrong to make that a spiritual analogy to the church and say, well, God has rejected now Israel forever, and the church is spiritual Israel, and thus the promises apply to now the church in a spiritual sense. It is true that we are all the children of Abraham by faith in Jesus Christ and that we all now can partake of God's covenant to Abraham. That is that God will impute righteousness to us through faith. And yet, God is still going to deal with the nation Israel. The Lord said to Daniel, there are 77s that are determined upon the nation Israel. 69 of those sevens would transpire between the time the commandment went forth to restore and rebuild Jerusalem to the coming of the Messiah, the Prince. But he said, the Messiah will be cut off with nothing for himself. And the people will be dispersed. But then God speaks of the prince of the people that will come, who will make a covenant with the nation Israel, and in the midst of the final seven-year cycle, will break the covenant as he establishes the abomination which causes desolation. The 69 sevens that God had appointed upon the nation Israel were fulfilled from the time that Artaxerxes gave the commandment to restore and rebuild Jerusalem to the coming of Jesus Christ was 483 years in the Babylonian calendar. 
There is a final seven-year period that is yet to take place. It is yet future. Jesus, making reference to the abomination of desolation as was spoken of by Daniel the prophet, refers it to yet a future event, an event that will precede his second coming. Jesus, in referring to the abomination of desolation, said, when you see the abomination of desolation that was spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, let him who reads understands, then flee to the wilderness. So the 70th seven-year cycle of Daniel, according to Jesus, is still a future event. Which event will be marked in the middle of it by the European leader that shall arise coming to Jerusalem and standing in the Holy of Holies of the rebuilt temple and declaring that he is God and demanding that he be worshipped as God. Now, the appointed time of God upon the nation Israel when God will once again pour out his spirit upon her and as is declared, the heathen shall reverence the name of the Lord and all of the kings of the earth thy glory. It would seem that this is a reference to that time, I feel in the very near future, when Russia invades Israel and is destroyed by the power of God. In the 38th chapter of Ezekiel, where the Lord records this momentous event, in verse 23, God said, Thus will I magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am Jehovah. So if you put that together with the 15th verse, so the heathen shall reverence the name of Jehovah and the kings of the earth thy glory. Now that is referred to as a relationship to God's set time to show favor upon Israel. And so if you will then go over to the 39th chapter of Ezekiel, Verse 27, when I have brought them again from the people and gathered them out of their enemies' lands and am sanctified in them in the sight of many nations. Now put that together with verse 23 of 38. I will magnify myself and sanctify myself and be known in the eyes of many nations. When I've gathered them out of their enemies' lands and am sanctified in them in the sight of many nations, then shall they know that I am Jehovah their God, which caused them to be led into captivity among the heathen. But I have gathered them in, unto their own land and have left none of them any more there. Neither will I hide my face any more from them, for I have poured out my spirit upon the house of Israel, saith Jehovah God. So the Lord has promised, or saith the Lord God, not Jehovah God there. So God has promised that in the day in which he is sanctified before in them, in the eyes of the heathen or the nations of the world, 
that in that day he is going to remove the blindness. I will no longer be hid. Now Paul tells us that blindness has happened to Israel during this period of the Gentiles. Blindness has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. But this national blindness that is taken, that God has placed upon Israel will be removed. He'll no longer be hid from them. He'll pour out his spirit upon them, which means that God will then have taken his church out of the earth's scene. So we're talking about God's set time for the nation of Israel, the time to favor her. For the psalm said, Thy servants take pleasure in her stones and favor the dust thereof. We received a letter from our guide in Israel who was planning to come over and visit us. And he said, Dear Chuck and Kay, I write to you and trust that everything is well with you and all. He said, I want you to know that I won't be coming over this summer because the Lord has given to us the blessed privilege of buying property in this beautiful holy city, the city that God has set his eye upon, the city that is blessed of the Lord. And we're going to build a home in this beautiful city of God. And oh, he goes on, you know, raving about the dust and the stones of the city of Jerusalem. He's so excited that he's going to have a house of his own right in Jerusalem. Surely the people do favor the stones and even the dust thereof. For thy servants take pleasure in the stones. So the heathen shall reverence the name of the Lord, or the Jehovah, and all the kings of the earth thy glory. When the Lord shall build up Zion, he shall appear in his glory. Now, God is going to work for another seven-year cycle with the nation Israel. It will be God's primary work upon the earth during this final seven-year cycle. It will be a time in the Scripture that is known as the time of Jacob's trouble, Jacob travailing. It will be a time of religious confusion, for at the beginning, the Antichrist will make a covenant with the nation Israel. Many of their leaders will declare that he is the Messiah, and he will be acclaimed generally as their Messiah. However, there will be a couple of witnesses of God that will be telling them the truth and warning them against him. There will be those that were, are sealed of God, and they also will be bearing witness against him. But the religious leaders will be acclaiming him. The religious leaders who crucified our Lord and are still holding the people in blindness will be deceived and will be acclaiming this man as the Messiah but after three and a half years, when the temple is rebuilt and they are again worshiping, when he comes and stands in the temple in the Holy of Holies and declares that he is God and demands to be worshiped as God, 
then they will all realize their error. They will flee to the wilderness, a place that God has prepared for them. During the final 1,290-day period, which 1,290 days will be a time of great trouble, the great tribulation, a time of God's wrath, a time of greater bloodshed and horror than the world has ever seen at any time in its history. People are saying good days are ahead, you know. We've got a new administration, don't believe it. The worst is yet to come. Evil days, the scripture said, are going to wax worse and worse. I would like to think that a change of administration is going to change the whole complexion of our society. But I cannot believe that from a scriptural standpoint. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Psalms on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Psalms 101 through 102 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord enrich you in all good things in Christ Jesus. May He fill you with the knowledge of His love and His grace. And may you walk in fellowship with Him. And may the Lord continue His work in your life as He draws you unto Himself, as He cleanses you through His Word, as He fits you and prepares you for that work that He would have you to do. God bless you. God strengthen you and keep you ever in His love and in His will. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. The Word for Today is pleased to present a timely book entitled Philippians, a Bible study for women by Kay Smith, wife of Pastor Chuck. In times of hardship and doubt, Are you filled with joy? If this less than perfect world has robbed you of joy and filled you instead with fear and worry, you must learn the secrets found in the book of Philippians. 
Join Kay as she discovers the Apostle Paul's top secrets to a life filled with joy, available to every Christian woman today. Sometimes in the deepest trials, God will so minister to us, or the Holy Spirit will so minister to us, that even in the deepest trials, we can have joy. And that's what we're trying to impress on the people's heart. We have joy just because we have Jesus. For more information on how to order your copy, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org or call toll-free at 1-800-272-WORD. That's 1-800-272-9673. And godliness with contentment is great gain.